thank you so much for listening to another episode of CX Chronicles Podcast. I'm your host, Adrian Brady Chisana. Tune in each week as we listen to amazing customer-focused business leaders from across the world sharing their personal stories about their teams, tools, process, and feedback. Check us out at cxchronicles.com today or listen on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. Hey folks, this is Adrian, your host of the CX Chronicles podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in to amazing customer-focused business leaders each and every week. I wanted to take a minute to talk about a couple brand new product and service offerings at CXC. Number one, customer scorecards. Have you had a minute to take a look at our CX scorecards and understand how you're doing across team, tools, process, and feedback? Number two, customer feedback reporting. A number of different companies are looking for ways to get better customer feedback reporting. Reach out to CXC today if you need help setting up your MPS, CSAT, product SAT, or customer effort score. Number three, customer experience coaching. Take the time to become a customer-focused business leader. We've done some amazing work with a number of awesome CXers out there. Reach out to us today at CXC to learn how you can get your customer-focused business leader playbook for success. Check us out at cxchronicles.com. All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening to the CX Chronicles podcast. Super excited for today's show. We have a super dear old friend of mine that I grew up with. Dr. Daryl Conley is joining the show. Daryl, say hello to the CX Nation, sir. Hey, Adrian. Uh, pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me, man. We go way back. It's you know, good to be here joining on the podcast. Appreciate it, man. 100%. So, guys, um, this year we've been trying to do a bunch of different shows, and we're trying to um, show all of these different facets of um, different types of industries, different types of business spaces, um, different types of customer-focused business leaders, right? We spend a lot of time talking about technology and startups and scale-ups. Um, Daryl is going to talk with us today about the wonderful wild world of healthcare, and we're going to get a totally different um, lens. Uh, we talk about customer experience on a regular basis, and Daryl called me up one day. He's like, dude, he's like, why don't you talk about patient experience, man? It's the, some of these things that you're talking about, some of these things that you guys are always trying to shine a light on. He's like, Adrian, it fits inside of my world, man, every single day of working with patients, working with other doctors, working with other healthcare providers, working with all the granularities and intricacies that come inside of the healthcare space. So today, I'm pumped. Daryl's going to walk us through that, and we're going to get a whole different look at the four CX pillars from from a doctor's point of view and from a healthcare uh, point of view. Awesome. Yeah, should be fun. Should be fun. Uh, Daryl, why don't you start off the show, brother? Give it, give the Six Nation. Uh, take a couple minutes. Introduce yourself. Um, give your background and, and set the stage for what we're going to jump into today. Sure. Yeah. Of course, man. So, uh, you know, I, I was always kind of interested in medicine. You know, going going way back. Just a, a really fun, exciting, ever changing kind of field. That's you know, you go into work every day. You don't just don't know what you're going to see. You know, so that it just kind of really keeps things interesting, keeps things fresh. So, uh, I had uh, you know, I completed uh, uh, my college up at uh, University of Buffalo. There, uh, you know, grew up in Buffalo for a while. Uh, ended up going down to med school in the Caribbean. Actually, I went to University of Seba. Wise uh, decision, Daryl. Leave oh, the country, get down south. Wonderful decision. Yeah, uh, right, right in the heart of January was the first semester just a very smart yeah smart man <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh you know graduated uh, down there and then got in some some residencies fellowships and uh currently i am uh working at uh geisinger uh, healthcare institute um uh in northeastern pennsylvania 
Um, so I am a pulmonary and critical care provider, but uh, recently, just within the last you know year or so, uh, I'd also taken over for the director of our pulmonary function lab. Uh, so we do all the you know kind of different exercise testing, breathing testing, you know, some things like that. Uh, so I had taken over that aspect of things as well. And so uh, you know, everything I say here is really just you know it, you know, it has nothing to do with with Geisinger. Everything is really personal, my own. Um, uh, you know, it doesn't represent any Geisinger or organization. It's really just sort of you know all the different healthcare institutions I've been at over the, you know, over the years of training and how the healthcare field is run. And, um, and you're right, it, there's so many similarities with, with, you know, the crossover and, um, you know, listen, healthcare is a business, you know, it's, you know, we are business. Yeah, we provide, you know, we provide a service and, you know, our, our patients are our customers and we have to, you know, not only do we have to good, do a, a good job in, in providing that healthcare to them, but we have to leave them happy. You know, they're not going to yeah. come back or they're not right. going to see us again or they're not going to, you know, even more than that, they're not going to trust us, right? If we don't, right. if we don't build rapport with them, if we don't, um, uh, you know, able to, to communicate with them effectively, um, it, you lose trust there. And that's, that's really the, the foundation uh, moving forward for developing that relationship and, and getting people better. Yep. No, you're spot. You're spot on, man. Number one, it, it is a massive business. It's a huge part of our of our of our global economy. Um, the other thing too is you're right, man. Where this is one of the most a patient experience or taking care of uh, of of a loved one or somebody that's sick or somebody that's going through some trouble. That's arguably one of the most difficult types of um, things to go through in life. Nobody, nobody wants to hear when a friend or a family or a loved one is sick or, or has to go to the hospital or has to, you know, has to go and get treatment for whatever. It's a super, super um, emotional type of place, which brings, I would argue, and Daryl, you, you're probably going to get into this, brings the stakes up a lot higher. You know, many of the folks that we have on our show they're incredible customer focused business leaders and they're thinking about all these cool products and all these cool services and doing all these cool things with their teams. And as incredible as that is, at the end of the day, you know, business, there are more important things in life than business, right? <laughs> and then like growing your business. Growing your team. When you start to talk about the medical space and you start talking about the healthcare space, we're talking about people's lives. It is, yep. mistakes are higher. Uh, the complexities are a lot higher as far as regulation, um, just what goes into it. Daryl, you were telling me the other day just about some of the some of the wild things that, that, that are going on just in terms of constantly uh, expanding new spaces of focus and having new, new, new areas of the healthcare system working together to try to figure out how you can push the push, push things even further along. So it's really, really a cool, um, you know, a cool space to get into. Daryl, let's kind of Go ahead, sir. Go ahead. No, and, and that's where, you know, listen, we are, you know, uh, the healthcare field is considered, you know, a, a sort of a high reliability organization, right? And so there's, uh, you know, essentially what that means is it's, it's sort of a company that, um, you know, essentially has people's lives at stake, right? Where yeah. where you really need to be performing at a high level consistently, yep. because if there are, you know, if there is any, you know, um, uh, wasted time, especially any errors, right, that could be fatal, right? Yep. And so, you know, obviously, there's still a there's still a push, you know, always for for improving, you know, medicine, but uh, the focus on preventing those errors, preventing, you know, bad outcomes and things that we can change to, to have, uh, you know, better patient care is, is huge. You know, another field like that, that, that we kind of, you know, compare it to sometimes is like the airline industry, right? If they, yep. if they make a mistake at, you know, uh, 25,000 feet, right, that's, yeah, you don't, you don't have a whole lot of wiggle room up there. Right. And so obviously, yep. you know, we heard what, what happened in Denver recently that, you know, see the engine on the ground there. This, this and, week and, alone, we've got a big, huge example of what happens when, in a specific types of industries, when safety becomes an issue, or so, or better yet, you've got an accident like this that affects a bunch of people's lives. You got to you got to yeah. really pump the brakes and think about what's going on with that. 
Yep. And so you really have to be sort of at the, at the top of your game all the time or else, you know, or else people could die. And, and that's where I think it's, I think it's nice in the healthcare field because, you know, it's everybody's goal, right? Everybody's on the same page. Everybody's on the same team. We say, listen, our goal is to help, you know, these patients that come in, whether it's the, the inpatient world or the outpatient world, you know, they're coming to you for a reason, right? And, uh, you know, everybody's on the same, the same page. Everybody has the same goal, trying to get them better, trying to improve, you know, their, their symptoms or their illness or whatever it may be. Um, and that makes it a really, a really good environment to work in when, when everybody's, you know, uh, trying to click on all cylinders like that. I love that, Daryl. I think, you know, it sets us up perfectly for, let's jump into the first six pillar team. I'd love for you to just spend a couple minutes, Daryl, you've been in all of these different, um, all of these different organizations. You've even through your time in residency and then coming up um, into your current specialty, you've seen all of these different types of teams and types of departments in different hospitals and different healthcare organizations. Can you spend a couple minutes talking about the first six pillar team? What are some of the things, Daryl, that kind of jump out at you or some of the things that you've seen along your own journey that have really kind of stuck with you when it comes to having a strong team, having an organized team, understanding who does what. Spend a couple of minutes talking about team in the healthcare world. Of course. Yeah. And that, you know, really that was something that, that, um, uh, you know, got me interested in the in the intensive care unit. You know, when I was when I first started training, um, you know, I really went into sort of just general, you know, kind of internal medicine. My first my first few years after uh, you know getting my my MD degree, and you know, it was really the ICU that that um, you know kind of spoke to me in that sense because. Um, you know, one, it's, it's sort of the, the sickest, you know, level of patients that we, yeah. that you can have, yeah. but everybody on the, the team is, is just so sharp and so understanding of what their, their roles are. Um, and so I, I think that that's kind of what drove me to, to the ICU is because that, you know, we talk about that, you know, there's really no room for error, but especially in the right. ICU when those patients are that sick, you know, everybody's gotta be, gotta be on point. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I've been very lucky to have, a, you know, just a wonderful team where I'm working right now um, and, and have had, you know, many, you know, great places that I've worked. But, um, you know, it's, it's not, right, it's not just me, right? It's, it's, you know, absolutely, there's no way that I could do my job without, without everybody else being, being on point as well. Um, obviously, everybody knows, you know, nurses in the, in the hospital and the importance that they, that they run with patient care and, and you know, right at the bedside with everything there. So, um, you know, the, the nurses play an integral role, the, the biggest part of, of taking care of patients with everything. Um, you know, we have, but, but it's, it's a whole tree that, that comes down, right? It's, it's not only the, the nursing side of things and the physician side of things right there. You need, you need, you know, uh, physical therapists, occupational therapists, speech therapists to get patients up walking, you know, up speaking up, you know, improving and rehabbing to be able to get them out of the hospital and move forward and things, right? You need, you need nutritionists to sit there and, and help you with, you know, you know how, how are we going to manage this patient's, um, uh, you know, calorie intake and, and, you know, in order for them to heal and get better with all that. Um, you know, you've got uh, your respiratory therapists helping us with the ventilators in the ICU. Um, you know, you've got, uh, you know, mid-level providers and, and you know, residents and, and students and everybody else that, that play an integral role with everything. And so it's, it's been really interesting to see that, that transition because everywhere you go, it's, you know, that, that same team process, regardless of what hospital you're at or, or where you are, uh, you know, on the ICU side of things, the inpatient side of things, you know, I, I think the roles and responsibilities are really laid out very well. And, and you know, it's, it's not always easy to work as a, as a, you know, a perfect unit with everything you're going to have, you know, interpersonal problems. <laughs> And, sure, and it's a stressful environment, right? It's, yeah, it's a you know, very imagine. high stress environment. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's going to be hard sometimes, but you know, I, I, you know, I'm lucky to have a great group of, uh, of people around me right now with everything. It's, you know, a great organization right now. And so it, you know, I'm very blessed to, to be where I am and um, being able to take care of people that way. But you know, it's funny there. I love like the picture that I have in my head right now. I'm literally thinking, I'm thinking about an ICU. I'm thinking about all these 
all this stuff going on, people moving around, like to your point, really sick people coming and going and flying, flying through the room. And I'm, and then I'm trying to like take a few steps back and think about some of some of my experiences working in all of these venture capital backed startups. And I'm thinking, man, as high as the stress or as high as the tension or as high as some of the the temperatures can get in these startups, I'm thinking. There's no way it compares <laughs> to, a, to an ICU on a Friday night when you've got all these different things popping off, all these different things happening. Um, it's really interesting to kind of hear you sort of lay that stage. I, I think it's it's for our listeners. I mean, just 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 take a moment to pause and think about that. The next time that you've got some huge blow up with your biggest customer, or the next time that you've got some big friction friction fueled argument with one of your teammates or one of your collaborators. Just stop to take a minute to think about what some of what some of the what some of the healthcare professionals out there go through every single day of the week, right? Every single day, and then more importantly, Daryl, these this last year with COVID nineteen, with the pandemic, with what the entire world has gone through together, that takes what we're talking about right here to an extremely different level. Can you can you spend a little bit of time talking about? What what has that extra toll or what has that extra demand or what has all of these complexities that we've all been watching together for last year, what's that done for some of the teams in these different healthcare organizations? Yeah, so it's it's uh, it's stressed everybody, you know, you know, clearly, um, you know, not only from, uh, you know, obviously the the infectious disease standpoint, right? We're all, we were all worried, especially at the beginning, that listen, this is a new virus, this is something that's killing people left and right. Are are we going to be next, right? And so that that was the the initial stress, just kind of coming into work, you know, seeing sure. these these people with, you know, with you know COVID nineteen with this infection. So that's that's kind of the initial stress that goes on. But but beyond that, it's you know, and, and obviously we're seeing the numbers and we think the unfortunate you know toll that we just passed this half. Oh, million so sad, uh, you know so american sad. lives which is just awful but it you know that that half million people right there's there's you know much much more that have you know you know, gotten the illness and recovered sure. and so yeah. you know not only do we have you know all of the regular patients listen you know heart attacks don't stop during covid 19 right strokes totally. don't stop during COVID-19. Totally. so we're still we're still seeing all of our our usual sort of you know patients that come in with critical illness but now we're just adding this extra, you know, layer, this extra, you know, disease on top of it. And these these patients, you know, unfortunately are very, very sick when they come in. And so not only are you are you stressing sort of the environment that you're working in, right? We're using additional, you know, personal protective equipment. Um, right. You know, there's additional gowning and gloving that goes on with these patients' transport, right? All these different things that that go into it. But now you're sort of just running on the red the whole time, right? The RICU numbers have been, you know, uh, you know, have been, you know, 90 plus percent capacity for a period of time. Now, you know, right. Now, thankfully, that's that's coming down. But when you're, you know, when you're full, when you're full to the brim with everything, you're stressing, you know, all those resources that you have. Um, and everybody feels it. Right. And so everybody feels that everybody's stressed out. Um, and and it's tough, too, because what you know, what can you do to to get your team um, you know, some, some break, especially when there's no end in sight. Right. And so, you know, it's been, been a year now, right. Nobody knew what, you know, how long this would last, but I think the, the vaccine has, has offered some, you know, obvious promise for us and getting people vaccinated and, um, you know, with some of the measures and the numbers coming down, that's all wonderful. And we, you know, we look forward to that. Um, but I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of things, especially that, 
you know, you have to take care of yourself, right? You have to take care of your team. And, and you know, we can't provide, you know, good level of care if, if we're not getting some some breaks and resolves well. And so, you know, I think, you know, it's been it's been great. Our, our organization has provided a lot of resources to, um, you know, staff members, people, um, uh, you know, training, you know, both online resources, mobile app resources, physical resources in the hospital to help with some of those stressors. Uh, because this time it's just been, uh, you know, just crazy, you know, just crazy for, for all healthcare and, um, uh, you know, been a stress on, on everybody. Yeah, I can't imagine. I think first and foremost, and probably speaking for the entire CX Nation, just thank you. Thank you to for you and for all of your teammates and just to every single person that's on the front line. It would have been uh, just a completely different level of disaster if we didn't have incredible kick-ass people that were still, because sh- this is the thing people forget in, in, in the technology world, me included. Daryl, we've been sitting sitting at home on Zoom chat, sipping our coffee, you know, like <laughs> taking the dog for walks in between meetings. Um, healthcare frontline workers have been grinding, they've been kicking ass, they've been, to your point, I can't even imagine, man, like I mean, many of our listeners probably have family members that work on the front line, but like going to work every single solitary day, not knowing whether you're going to contract the virus, not knowing whether or not you're going to be in one of the camps that gets extremely sick from this illness, get extremely sick. I mean, everybody knows somebody that's either gotten um, super, super ill with COVID or maybe even someone that's passed, right? Someone that's gone mm-hmm. now. So I just, I think that's huge, man. Um, I'd love to jump into the next pillar of tools because this is interesting for me. Me and you were talking about this uh, a few times uh, recently, but spent a couple minutes talking about um, tools. I know that there's a million different tools in the healthcare world there. I get that, but can yeah. you just spend a couple minutes talking about at a high level, what are some of the major tools for you and for your team that you guys sort of, when you do go to work every day, you rely on those tools. Those tools help make your job a little bit easier. And more importantly, as we've pushed the healthcare space further and further along, what are some of the big technologies or tools that really kind of you're excited about? Yeah. So I, I think, you know, the biggest thing over the last, you know, probably 20, 20, you know, 10, 20 years or so has really been the, the electronic medical record, right? So that's something that's really, um, you know, it's been a push to really standardize everything, you know, across some of these platforms. And there's not just one, right? There's all these different companies that have them. Yeah. Um, but the, the electronic medical record has one, not only allowed people to read whatever the doctors are writing from, you know, 20, 30 years ago, which has been helpful, but also it, it just keeps everything on a, on a, you know, standardized, um, uh, you know, template and format and, and, you know, um, makes it a lot easier to communicate between, you know, organizations, potentially, um, even states. I mean, you know, some, some of these, um, you know, uh, EMRs, they're called, uh, you know, just, you know, flow throughout the country. And so sometimes you can get records from other places much, much easier and with easier access, which makes it a lot easier for, for everybody, right? It makes yeah. it easier for us, makes it easier for the patients. Yeah. And so that's really been the, the biggest advent of, of things, I think. You know, we were just talking the other day about, um, you know, but we also have all these resources available to us, you know, uh, online and with the internet and everything now. I mean, we used to have these, you know, physician desk reference books, right? These big, thick textbooks that you would have to go and, you know, search page 642 for, you know, look the information <laughs> that you were going at. You know, now it's just a click on, you know, online. And so it's it's yeah. it's been so helpful to have all of these resources. You know, medicine is changing so quickly, right? I mean, there's there's so many new studies that are coming out, new drugs and, and you know, uh, evidence. And, and, you know, listen, we, you know, the way that we help to learn, take care of patients is by, you know, publishing some of this stuff, you know, case reports and, and things yep. that we find yep. with patients and, and, you know, people doing research with everything. So, you know, that's how we share, gather and, and you know, advance our field, right? So, so it just makes it much easier to, to get all that stuff and to have access to it, uh, which is just huge in, in our field, you know, overall. That is huge, man. I think number one, it's just, <clears throat> I think um, we hear about this and read about this every single solitary day and every week about how 
the evolution of medicine, the evolution of healthcare, the evolution of patient experiences, the evolution of frontline experiences. I guarantee you, Daryl, that after the back end of this pandemic, you are going to have a lot of healthcare workers that probably have some different <laughs> expectations around what their own um, healthcare worker experience looks like. The same way that we're yeah. thinking about employee experiences on the business side of things, or on the, the other business side of things. Um, but man, it's got to be um, huge to be able to uh, as these things evolve, there's always there's always new technology coming to knock at the door. There's always new learnings and findings coming to knock at the door. So I think it's awesome that you guys are are, are always thinking about how you can push that forward as well. Yeah, one thing you know, obviously the the pandemic that that really pushed things forward, and and you know, listen, telehealth was here for for many years sure. with technology and everything right? else. Telemedicine, but, right, Daryl? It's blown right? up. Right, but but doing this over the phone, right? I mean, listen, this is what we do in the in the office now, right? And for a period Are of time, you patients like this right now, Daryl, do you have? Is there... Absolutely, absolutely, yep. And so so you know, I can you know, I log on to to my computer. We have a um, you know a program that we can actually just you know chat with them virtually. I can see them. I can see what they look like. I can sort of examine them. You know, obviously, I can't really listen to them with the stethoscope over the over the you know phone or computer with everything yeah, yeah. but i can you know i can share my screen i can turn around i can show them their scans i can look over their labs i can do everything in real time right in front of them and they don't have to go out you know right now i'm sitting in the northeast too nobody has to go out and brave the snow or the conditions totally. of the ice or go out Absolutely. um you know you, you reduce your risk of transmission of all these diseases in the setting of a pandemic so it's been really helpful and i think the 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 change over the last year has just been the explosion of how quickly that's that's evolved right it was always here it was always something that we had available. Um, yep. But I think this just, you know, threw it into super, you know, supercharge or super drive, basically just saying, listen, it's really something that, that we had to pursue. And, and it's, I think it's here to stay, you know, I think the, especially when you talk about the access issue to patients, right. Um, you know, obviously if you're in a big city and you're saturated with, with providers, wherever you go, that's great. Yep. Yep. If you're sitting in a more rural area and it takes you 45 to an hour to get to somebody, you know, especially if it's, if it's more of a routine visit or follow-up or something like that, maybe it's something that you just want to do over the, you know, over the phone in the setting of your, your, your home or something like that. And so, you know, it makes life a lot easier and, and really improves that access issue for everyone. Um, yep. and, and so I think that's been a, that's been a big thing for us, you know, moving forward too, I think, um, you know, the advent of, of some of these, um, you know, electronic medical record and technology, um, you know, one thing in the ICU world that, that we're looking at is how do we, how do we determine uh, what type of patient or, or which patient will get worse, right? And so, you know, if we could predict the future, right, we'd be we'd be great. We'd all be, you know, we'd be you know billionaires, and everybody be we'd be doing great, and everybody. Marty, uh, Marty will fly with that sports almanac. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, you know, it, for us, it's you know, at, at what point in the hospital stay do we see you know vital signs deteriorating or labs getting a little bit worse? And technology is there to help us with that, right? We're trying to create kind of algorithms, and, and there are already algorithms out there that can try and predict, you know, which patient is going to get worse, which patient is going to come to the ICU, which patient may have a cardiac arrest or have a really adverse outcome in the hospital. And if we see those things earlier, right, we can try and we can try and intervene on those people earlier, right? And so if we, if we just, if the light bulb goes up and says, listen, you might want to take another look at this guy, you know, something's not sitting right. Um, you know, we can just put more resources and more, more eyes on that patient and, and try and prevent those bad outcomes from happening. So that's really exciting, you know, in our field right now and, and for the future, I think too. Totally agree. You know, Daryl, um, as you and I were chatting about the other day, man, the one one of the businesses I was at in New York City, Home Team, the idea of leading indicators for potential big health events was a huge part of what we were trying to build. Now, on one hand, the service side of it, we were taking care of these incredible older adults all across the five boroughs in New York City and parts of New Jersey. So we did have the home health aid aspect. We were literally there at boots on the ground day to day, taking care of uh, mom and dad and grandma and grandpa. Behind the scenes with the technology, 
a big part of what we were really trying to do was help folks like you and your team see some of these potential leading indicators as, for example, let's say that you start seeing um, that maybe there's an adverse side effect to a drug that they were just prescribed. And if, if the if the HHA could note that in her system early and we started seeing, hey, mom and dad don't feel good since there's a day three or day four of that drug and they're definitely feeling weird, mm-hmm. the doctor gets immediately involved or a pharmacist immediately gets involved. Hey, let's make sure that we've got the right uh, the right concoction here. Let's make sure that we've given them the right drug. Let's make sure that they're not having one of the bad side effects with that drug. That's one example. The other big ones were uh, falls. I remember in the elder mm-hmm. care space, if you would see one or two or three falls over X period of time, you knew that there was a super high probability for a really bad, really big, really expensive, and super, super painful for not only the patient, but for the family. If, if, if say two or three falls happens in a month, you have a higher probability that a broken hip or a bad knee is about to be on its way. And then yeah. maybe it means that your HHA hours need to get bumped up so you have more, more care or that make sure that you have people that are taking care of mom and dad or grandma and grandpa to prevent that fall. Or maybe you know that now is not the time that you can take showers and bath, go do bathroom breaks by yourself. Maybe you do need help. Maybe you're at that point of life where you do need help. And all of those different indicators that we were capturing in our daily care reports, they would be able to get shared back with some of the providers and some of the physicians of you to kind of keep an eye yeah. on the patient portfolio and see if anything is maybe kind of a, a flag or an outlier where you don't like what you're seeing and you kind of want to yep. drill into it a little bit further. So there's going to be more and more and more of this coming. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's really interesting to see the, the com- yeah, we have sort of national conferences that we discuss some of these new, new things and new technologies and everything. And you can see that that technology just, you know, getting bigger and bigger every year, right. It's just, just exploding and, and the possibilities of what you can do with it. And I think, you know, with the, with, with telehealth getting bigger, you know, we can already, you know, monitor people's, you know, vitals from home and, and weights from home and things like that. Um, you know, and they're, they're, you know, they just go right into the electronic medical record and you can get notified yeah. saying, listen, yeah. this, this person's oxygen's going low, they're breathing fast or their weights up, something's going on with them. You know, I think with, with as technology evolves and, and, and everything happens, you know, I think that's just going to be routine for us saying, listen, we can monitor, you know, these, these people who are, you know, who need that monitoring, like you said, right, just that are that are sick or that are higher risk, you know, just having extra extra set of eyes or, or resources to them will really help with, with some of that. Big time, big time. Jared, let's just spend a couple of minutes talking about the third six pillar process. Now, I would say most people, um, when they think about healthcare, they think about compliance, they think about regulations, they think about rules, or maybe that's just me because of some of my, <laughs> my, my limited experiences working in the, in the home healthcare technology space. But I'd love for you to spend a couple minutes talking about process. And um, you can go as deep or as wide as you want in this, but I guess my thought is I'd love for our listeners, uh, you know, a lot of our CXers or the folks that are on the front lines dealing with customers, phone calls, emails, text message, live chat, all that fun stuff process and playbooks becomes a huge part of their day-to-day because then they can start to formulate some of the answers um, and formulate some of the, 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 the FAQs or the content that's required to give a customer an excellent answer and to oftentimes resolve their issue altogether. Can you spend a few minutes talking about how process works inside of your world and um, some of the things that you guys do, whether it's with playbooking or SOPs or whatever you call them, uh, to keep the train on the tracks and to make sure that people know what their parts of the role are on the field? Sure. So, so there's, yeah, there's multiple layers in, in the healthcare field and, and some I'm, I'm sort of more privy to than others, but, you know, clearly there's a lot of, you know, regulation process over, over healthcare and rightfully so, right. I mean, there are multiple organizations that, that focus on, you know, uh, uh, right privacy for patients and, and medical records and, yep. you know, safety in the workplace and, and, and all of these things. And so, you know, these are, these are constant, um, you know, 
constantly, um, uh, you know, oversight in the hospital with, with everything. And so, you know, from a, from an institutional standpoint, right. And, and anytime, uh, you know, essentially one of these either safety events or other, other things may change, right. If there's a, a, some kind of a flag saying, listen, there was a bad outcome or there was a potential safety event, right. That gets looked at and that, you know, they come in, you know, different organizations, whether it be, you know, department of health or, or, you know, um, you know, safety institutions, they, they'll come in and look at that event and say, you know, where, where are the processes that we can change? from an organization or an institution to say, you know, to hope that that thing won't happen again. Right. And so if, you know, if there is a fall in the hospital, if there is, you know, an adverse out, you know, event or somebody's, you know, somebody took, you know, drugs in the hospital or something like that, right. You can look at the, the processes, processes to say, how did that happen and what can we do to sort of change that? And so that's, that's obviously from a, from a big institutional standpoint, that's, that's key. But, you know, just for, for us too, in terms of, you know, our, our, you know, pulmonary critical care section is, is sort of a smaller portion of the hospital, but everything we do in terms of, uh, you know, creating new, uh, you know, new protocols to take care care of somebody. And, and I think a good example of that is, you know, the, the COVID-19 pandemic, right? I mean, this was something that, you know, a year, year and a half ago wasn't, wasn't on our radar as much, right? But now right. clearly that, you know, we had to develop, um, you know, processes of, of how do we, you know, intake these patients? How do we isolate them? How do we protect providers? And how do we treat and manage them both, yep. you know, in the hospital uh, before they come in the hospital and then aftercare, right? Because a lot of these people, if they're here for, for days or weeks on end, they're going to come out a lot weaker, a lot sicker than they were at first. And so, you know, where do you send these patients? And obviously New York had, had problems with that with, you know, where do you, you know, nursing homes, where do you send them to? And, you know, you're, you're filled up on, on all ends. And so we had to create, and it's, it's just been a work in progress over time, this, this document about, you know, all of that information. And it's, uh, you know, it goes through a lot of committees, right? There's all, all sorts of different types of committees in the hospital um, dealing with, with obviously both safety is, is paramount for us, but, you know, in the critical care aspect of things, but everybody in every specialty has input on this because, you know, the, the, the coronavirus itself can affect, you know, anything from kind of head to toe, right? So you have, you know, your brain issues from a cardiac complication. So you need input from all of your other specialties, um, and so, you know, in creating that process and that document for us, that was something that was really challenging and, um, you know, it takes a lot of, uh, you know, sort of, you know, uh, nuances and feedback and, and changes Absolutely. and everything else to go through all of those, uh, you know, to create that, that process itself. Yeah. Yep. It's funny. I was, I was talking with my mom the other day and we were, um, you know, I said to her, I said, mom, do you think when we go back to like full blow trap, full blown traveling, which I know we're all rearing to do everyone's oh, dying. Yeah. <laughs> I saw there's uh, all these articles this week, Carol, about how specifically with like Airbnb and VRBO and home sharing platforms, they had one of the biggest surges that they've ever seen in their existence over the last 30 days, because now that we know <laughs> vaccinations are under the way, um, I, I, you know, like I, I know that everybody knows somebody right now, most people's mom, mom and dad, grandpa and grandma, they just got vaccinated. We got people, yep. we got frontline workers yep. vaccinated. We got people that have been boots on the ground since day one of the pandemic are vaccinated. Like we're getting back to, 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 to normal as quickly as, he, as we can. Thank God. Um, but I said to my mom, I said, do you think when we travel moving forward, like, do you think masks just become a part of the norm? And if you think about it, um, like rewind backwards, like a year or so. Whenever you would travel travel internationally, it was a very small group of people when you'd be walking through an airport where it's, oh, you know, you would literally notice people that had yep. a mask and you it almost stick out because the rest of us were walking around, you know, open faced. And I, I, I asked my, my, me and my mom were joking around, like, you know, is that a part of like a traveling process moving forward where that becomes a new norm for all of us or, or many of us, I should say many of us, because it's probably going to be something that you'll see a lot of people doing moving forward because of what we just experienced this year. 
Yeah, no, of course. And and I think, you know, it, it obviously we can't predict how many people are going to get vaccinated. These variants are something that's certainly, you know, concerning moving forward too. But it's it's very interesting to see, you know, the the influenza uh, that we normally get sort of seasonally has been, you know, essentially almost wiped out because I mean very, very, very low cases. Yeah. And so the, you know, it's interesting to hear that, you know, and listen, the flu kills kills, you know, many people each year too. So the 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 same kind of precautions we're taking for this virus is is you know universal, right? That's what these precautions are for. And so if we can, you know, prevent you know, additional illnesses or viruses and, and things like that in the future and additional deaths, that may be something that's that's more long-term or, or potentially long-term, or at least to the point where it's not going to be unusual seeing people masked up, you know, out in public and, and yeah. you know, as, as compared to where, like you said, you kind of noticed that before, it yeah. may just be sort of a, a normal going forward that this you can or, you know, can, can't do it. So, yeah. yeah. Daryl, I'd love to move into the, the fourth and the final um, siege pillar of feedback. And I know that you and I were excited about talking about some of the incredible ways that healthcare Uh, of all industries has done an excellent job of not only collecting patient feedback or healthcare frontline worker feedback. uh, Once you collect it, then what do you, how do you, how do you assess it? How do you, how do you rinse it, wash it, understand what, what to make sense of it? And then what do you do with it? Um, Dive into it. Spend a couple minutes talking about some of the things that you've seen in the healthcare space that have been super, super helpful from a feedback perspective. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of feedback in, in our, um, in our, our line of work. And so, you know, I think the, the first thing that really uh, struck me getting into medicine was that, um, you know, listen, you know, in training and residency and fellowship and as a student and all these things, right. You expect that kind of feedback, right. That's, that's your training period. That's your, that's your time to learn, to, to build, to grow, to do all those things. And so that, that's kind of, you know, was expected for me. And that was, that was fine. What I, what I found different was when the guy became sort of the attending or kind of, you know, the, sort of the boss, so to speak, um, the, the feedback that I would get at that point was, was, uh, sort of eye-opening to me. And so, you know, just because you're the, you're the boss, I was kind of thinking, listen, I'm the attending, I could be kind of master my domain, so to speak, right? To use one of those phrases, but you yes. know, it's still, it's still a team, right? It's still a collaboration. It's still yep. everybody working together. And, you know, you, so, so where I work, I mean, we get feedback from, from everyone, right? And it, and it goes into our, our evaluations, right? And so I, I meet with my, with my supervisors, uh, you know, at least once a year. Um, and when I first started, listen, I had some, I had some issues. I had some trouble. I was meeting with them more often and learning the ropes, so to speak with everything. Sure. Um, so, so we get feedback, you know, from, from every part of that team that, that I mentioned earlier. And, you know, if we have, you know, those interpersonal problems or relationships, now listen, you know, a couple of times, you know, something in a stressful environment, you know, that's, that's one thing, but if you're consistently having problems or issues um, and you need to, to sort of have some behavioral change or some kind of, you know, uh, uh, change in the business, that's, that's something different. So, um, you know, so that was something that was really kind of eye opening to me when I first started. So, so this feedback happens continuously for us, right? From from the inpatient world, the outpatient world, in our you know in our outpatient office with everything, it's the, it's the same thing. Both our colleagues, our you know uh, front office staff, the nurses, everybody gets you know gets input on this, and, and we look at that stuff. And so that was that was something that was that was interesting for me. And you know, listen, even the people that we train right now that I'm attending, I'm training sort of residents and fellows and everybody else, and we get feedback from them too directly, right? You know, how how good of an educator was I? A teacher was I? You know, how good do I run rounds? Do so I do these things? So we get feedback continuously like that all the time. So that that was the one aspect of it. But I think the you know the the big thing that really um, uh, you know equates to the the business model is that the the patient or customer feedback yeah. um, you know is really is really huge and it, and it has been for a long time, right? And so uh, really everybody that that comes into the the hospital and everybody that comes into the office, I mean, they all get you know especially with the advent of, of technology and everything else, we you know we send them a survey, right? We send them you know, a survey. How was your experience today? And so you know some of these can be pretty pretty long and, and tedious, <laughs> right? If they want to get into it, absolutely. Um, but 
but it's it's everything, right? And it's so you know when they're in the hospital, for instance, it's you know was was the room clean, right? Was the noise down, right? Was it loud? Was, how was the environment, right? Yeah. So that's that's one part of it. You know, then how was the how was the service, right? Were you treated nicely? Yeah. Did they you know did they you know did they ignore you? Did they explain things? Did they you know bring in your family and everything else there? Um, you know, but they can, I mean they can really have feedback on you know how was the food at the hospital you know during that time and you know and all that goes into the the patient experience with everything. So that's that's absolutely huge for us. And so, um, you know, and listen, we, we look at that feedback and we use that to, to grow and get better on, on both sides of the, of, of the equation. Right. And so, uh, on the, on the, uh, sort of outpatient side of things, you know, we go over these things, you know, every quarterly, you know, something like that, we'll, we'll go over them and look at all these comments that everybody, uh, everybody makes and, and look at them and, and see where are areas that we can improve or get better, uh, both from a personal standpoint, right. If there, if there was a personal problem with anybody or a professional standpoint, an institution standpoint, right. How is the, how is the flow of the building, right? How is the, you know, um, you know, how do the patients feel when they left the checkout process, the check-in process, the rooming process, yeah. all of these things take into account, you know, how, how these patients experience us and view us. And, and we want to provide the, obviously the best experience that we can, because, you know, we were talking about before, you know, patients can go elsewhere, right? And so if, yeah. if you don't have a good, you know, if you don't have a good rapport with somebody, if you don't have, uh, you know, a good buy-in from, from the patients and, and a good understanding of things, they're going to go somewhere else. Right. And so it, yep. that could be, that could be good or bad, you know, for, for both them and us. And so, you know, you know, I, I think we do a great job and I want patients to come and see us. And I think we, you know, we can get them better in that, but uh, you know, they have the, they have options. Right. And so you don't have to, you're not, they're not, they're not stuck with us, not stuck with anybody. So they can go different doctor, different, you know, healthcare system, different hospital. Um, and so when you have those, those options available, you want to, you want to keep them coming back. You want to develop that relationship so you can have a good long-term, you know, build with them and be able to help them. Hundred percent, Daryl. I couldn't agree more. I know, you know, uh, on a personal note, uh, thank, 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 thank God. You know, I've, 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 I've been able to stay out of the hospital most of my life, uh, <laughs> as Daryl knows very well, guys. Um, my wife and I, we just had our, our, our firstborn, our firstborn daughter, and you know, Daryl, everything that you just explained, it's funny. Ash and I, when we after we went through the process. All of those different variables that you laid out, the room, was the room nice? Uh, how were, how were, we had these incredible nurses that took it. We had like a mm-hmm. kick-ass team. So we got really, really lucky the, the couple of days we were there. The food, even the food though, you bring up an yeah. excellent point. You laugh about the food, yeah. but like, we were there for three days. So that we did have to depend on, you know, the, the, the hospital's food service. And that was, you know, awesome as well. But like, it's funny. We, we, we had a really great experience. And sure enough, we did get some of their uh, feedback requests, obviously me being in the business I'm in, naturally, <laughs> naturally we took care of that right away and sent that back to them. And of I course, wanted to yeah. that, like all of the reasons why me and Ash had such an awesome experience with our, with our first child there. So I think it's super important. The other thing that it makes me think about Daryl is in the healthcare space. It's really interesting. We had a, we had an individual Garrett Smith on the show uh, probably about a year ago and Garrett's business was called rep checkup. And essentially what they were doing was they were helping uh, physicians um, and specialists across the U S understanding the power of the review, meaning the review. So like, essentially, if you want to fill up next month's availability, Hopefully you got a bunch of four or five star reviews with a bunch of people talking about how great it was to go visit. So it's interesting. You're going to see some of the same similarities in other industries and other business facets of where the power of the promoter literally can be your biggest fuel for business development, growth, and scalability. And you just said the exact same thing right there, man, which it's like, it's like these health organizations are investing and thinking about 
exactly what they're doing excellent and what they're not doing so great so that they can literally keep these patients and customers and their families coming back through the door again and again and again. Absolutely. I mean, you know, you, you have to, from a, from a healthcare standpoint, you have to get those patients and you have to, you have to take care of them and take care of them appropriately. And that, that feedback is huge for them, right? It tells them, you know, what are we doing right? What are we doing wrong? What can we work on? What can we build on, right? Other services, other, other things there. Um, you know, I think that's, I think that's absolutely huge. Yep. Well, look, this has been awesome, Daryl. I'm pumped that you were able to come on, chat with the CX Nation, give us a completely different world to think about. And now we're going to have a bunch of uh, a bunch of CXers thinking about how they can convert some of the things that you guys are doing with patient experience into their customer experiences. So number one, thank you so much for joining and sharing your story. Of course, thank you. Uh, yeah. Before we wrap up, Daryl, is there any other features or highlights or uh, things that you want to know? Or lastly, where people can get in touch with you um, if they want to keep the conversation moving forward, if there's something that you said today that really struck a chord and they want to learn more about it. Sure. Yeah, I'm happy to chat. I'll, I'll provide uh, you know my email address to you know to you guys there. Uh, you know, maybe I can throw it up on the the website, and the podcast, with everything down there. I'll, I'll send yep. that over to you. You know, health healthcare, like we talked about, it's it's a changing field. It's it's you know it's a, it's a business field. And very you know common similarities to to what everybody is listening to there on on your side of things as well. Um, and so I, it it was good to come and chat about those things because you know not, not that different after all. You know, in terms not of just all. a little bit you know uh, a different kind of model with you know, exactly different, different outcome, yep. but you know same same sort of foundation for everything there and so it's it's it was really interesting when we started chatting about it you know year, year ago or so and, and i'm glad we could come on here and talk about those things yeah this is awesome uh dr daryl conley thank you so much for joining the cx chronicles podcast let's get a round of golf in hopefully very very soon so. <laughs> can't wait that'd be great <laughs> all right Daryl. have a great day man all right thanks adrian take it easy Thank you for listening to another episode of the CX Chronicles podcast. We're thrilled to have you as a part of the CX Nation, tuning in to customer-focused business leaders from across the world. Be sure to check out the CXC website, and as always, find us on any of your favorite podcast players, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. Thanks so much for making this show a reality and being a part of the CX Nation. And as always, folks, remember to make happiness a habit.